0: would uh, learn something afresh and anew about you today uh, and uh, be reminded of your goodness in the gospel, um, that we would go away uh, singing your praises, rejoicing in your kindness and living lives that bring you glory. Uh, we pray um, yeah, in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Reading from Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 to 22. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. The cost of following Jesus. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead.
0: Uh, But Jesus is number one. And uh, we're looking at these chapters in Matthew's Gospel that just make us astounded, about Jesus. They kind of lift our eyes to him, and uh, it they leave us astounded. Um, We've just returned to Matthew's Gospel after a bit of a stint in Isaiah, and Isaiah gets a Guernsey today, as you would have heard. Um, But uh, we were in Matthew's Gospel earlier in the year. We looked at the famous Sermon on the Mount, and right at the end of that, maybe you remember, right at the end of that in chapter 7, verse 28, it should be on the screen... We're told this, uh, that the crowds are amazed at Jesus' teaching uh, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. He taught as one who had authority. So people are just astounded wherever Jesus goes. And you get to these chapters, chapters 8 and 9 that we're looking at over this, um, the rest of this term. You get to these chapters and you start to see this authority in all kinds of ways, as Jesus goes around and does incredible things, says incredible things, uh, you would have seen it last week and uh, the stories about how Jesus uh, heals the sick and and cleanses those who are the, the man who was impure and um, but what Jesus does in these verses we're looking at a, a short a few verses from uh, we had a longer section read, but we 're just looking at verses eighteen to twenty two what Jesus does in those verses uh, is he, he claims an incredible and absolute authority even over his disciples, even over those who would follow him. So we've had his authority in his teaching. We've had his authority in his amazing um, authority over sickness. Uh, and we're going to see his authority in all kinds of ways over the next few weeks. But this week, the focus really is on Jesus' authority over his disciples, over those who would follow him. Uh, you might have heard the expression "I'm going all in." Uh, it's when you well, you put everything on the line, right? If you go all in, it's uh, when you when you say this, it, it's uh, it's it's this or nothing, right? Uh, you you give yourself over to this thing. You entrust yourself into the hands of another. And basically, Jesus is asking you today: Will you go all in on Him? Will you go all in on Him? But before you answer that, before you answer that, he, Jesus does something really helpful. It's just so great um, getting to know the character of Jesus. It's always unexpected. And what he does in these verses is he wants you to know exactly what that would mean to go all in on him. Uh, he wants you to know what it'll look like, what it'll cost. And he's totally upfront about it. Right, he doesn't smuggle this in the back door Uh, He wants us to know right at the beginning the cost of following him, of discipleship. It's not like some businesses... I I get this whenever I hire a car, which isn't often, but uh, maybe you've had the same experience. It looks so cheap online Um, when you kind of go to hire the car, but then you go through the process and you click on and click on and then there's taxes and extra um, things and then you've got to buy insurance and the price ends up about double what it would have otherwise. Jesus isn't doing that. He wants people to go into following him fully aware of what it might cost them, but still doing it, still doing it. See, Jesus is not gathering kind of groupies around him. He's not calling uh, casual followers who are enthusiastic for a little bit and then move on when when the enthusiasm fades. Jesus is forming disciples, Men and women, kids, youth, who are all in for him and his kingdom. People who entrust every part of their lives to his loving lordship. So let's dive in. If you've got your Bibles, that'll be helpful. It'll be up on the screen too as we go through this little section of Matthew's gospel. Uh, Jesus is gathering these huge crowds around him. We heard that at the end of last week. All these people, he's healing them, he's driving out evil spirits and they can't get enough of him. All these crowds are gathering to Jesus and our natural response, I mean, what would you, I wonder what your advice to Jesus would have been if you were one of his key disciples. I reckon mine would have been, okay, here we go, we've got some momentum going, here's some fruitful ministry to do, let's settle down, let's build your following, Jesus. But do you notice what in verse 18 what Jesus does? It'll be up on the screen. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross over to the other side of the lake. So what's going on? This does not seem like a very good church growth program. (laughs) Uh, what's, What's Jesus doing? He sees the crowd, and his response is to jump into a boat and sail away. Well, it all ties into this, what comes next, these conversations Jesus has, actually. It all ties into that, these two conversations. As I said before, Jesus hasn't come to gather groupies. He's on a much bigger mission He's on a mission that drives him Uh, you read the gospels and the the character of jesus there's this kind of holy restlessness about him as he goes around proclaiming god's kingdom as he walks the road to the cross so he moves on he keeps going but before he gets into the boat though uh, he has this guy come up to him it's not just any guy he's a teacher of the law Uh, And that's another really surprising thing here. By far, the religious leaders in the Gospels, including the teachers of the law, they're opponents of Jesus. Um, They were his enemies. They they were threatened by him. And you know the story. They end up um, arranging for his execution. Uh, But he's this teacher of the law. He's an important guy. He's got standing in the community. And he comes up to Jesus. And in verse 19, what does he say? He says teacher he he the teacher of the law calls this man his teacher so he starts really well teacher i will follow you wherever you go i mean what a great start right he's this guy he's highly educated he's got influence he's some people look up to him he treats jesus with respect he calls him to, and then he says i'm not just i'll follow you but i'll follow you wherever you go it's such a good start, but what a, it's this really surprising thing that Jesus does? How he responds to this guy. It's hard to know exactly what's going on with him. It could be that he's a bit sort of full of bluster and self confidence, kind of like if you know the story about Peter. Um, uh, as Jesus goes to the cross, he makes these bold claims about his devotion to the Lord. Even if even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you, Lord. Well, maybe you know the story of. Um, Peter's self-confidence getting blown out of the water, and maybe that's what's going on with this guy. It could. It's possible it's a bit darker than that. Perhaps he's get, he's kind of getting in early on the next big thing. Jesus is causing a splash. He's, making, he's doing all these great healings, uh, teaching incredible things, and maybe he sees this teacher of the law sees sort of hitching his wagon to Jesus as a bit of a way to advance his own prospects. It could be, though, maybe he's just totally genuine in his desire to follow Jesus. Uh, And he just genuinely has seen Jesus and says, "'Teacher, I want to follow you wherever you go.'" Whatever's the case, it's a bit hard to know. Jesus gives this really unexpected answer in verse 20. So verse 20, Jesus replied, "'Oh, thanks very much. That's great. Uh, "'It'll be really handy to have someone of your calibre on my team.'" We'll just get you to sign a few forms, but I don't see any reason why you can't start today. (laughs) That's not what Jesus says, right? Jesus replied, verse 20, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He just puts this thing out there. What a strange thing for Jesus to say. What a cryptic answer. He points to these animals, these foxes and birds. He says, they have their own homes. That's just kind of natural order of things. But the Son of Man, that's Jesus, he has no home, no, no home here. No, there's no place to lay his head. And, and his, what he's doing by saying this? his implication is to this teacher of the law, he's saying, if you really want to follow me, well, I want you to know what you're in for. I want you to know what you're in for. I think primarily this isn't actually about being homeless. That's not the main issue here. It's about being on mission. It's about being on a mission. And I think that gets filled out a bit by the name Jesus uses for himself. Do you notice that? It's the first time this name is used in Matthew, but it's used all over the Gospels. The Son of Man. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, a na- it's a name that can, in the Bible, just mean a human being, a, hu- a human person, but it's, the way Jesus uses it, it's uh, often much more significant than that. It ties into the Old Testament book of Daniel. Uh, and in Daniel chapter 7, right at the middle of Daniel, there's this incredible vision, this apocalyptic vision of the future. And Daniel says this, uh, in Daniel 7 verse 13, In my vision that night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days, that's God the Father, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So the Son of Man is this incredible figure, this promised figure, who would come and reign over God's kingdom eternally. And we're meant to, I think we're meant to feel a bit of a jolt when Jesus uses that term to describe himself here in verse 20. This son of man, this glorious king, he's going to be a homeless, wandering vagrant who, has, who is less at home here than foxes and birds. Jesus had no home here. But it, was, it wasn't because he couldn't have one or didn't deserve one. He he had no home because he came on a mission. He came to do his father's will to proclaim this eternal kingdom and ultimately to bring it about, to bring about this kingdom in his own death and resurrection. So he tells this teacher of the law, he looks at him and says, follow me, yes, but be ready. Life with me isn't about comfort or status. Uh, It's not about building your identity, your home here and now. Life with me is about the gospel. It's about what God is doing in this world. It's about God's mission. There's this this, um, forward momentum about Jesus, this, what I said before, a holy restlessness. There is a kind of unholy restlessness, right? And I think we all know something about that, a kind of anxious activism that never stops, because our identity is tied up in achieving that's not what's going on here. That that's not this gospel restlessness. Gospel restlessness actually flows out of a deep and permanent gospel rest. Um, Jesus has done it all. Our identity is secure in him. He has filled us up. And so we can stop, we can breathe, we can enjoy his gift of rest when we need it. Because Jesus is king. And also, resting in him, we can get up again with, with the Apostle Paul. We can strenuously contend for the gospel with all the energy Christ so powerfully works within us. So Jesus, Jesus had a mission he wanted this teacher of the Lord to know about. He was walking to the cross and following him meant joining him on that journey. Now, uh, how do we relate to this? That, that mission that Jesus was on, that's been accomplished, right? Jesus has come. He's died on the cross to win forgiveness and a new life for his people. But Jesus still has a mission that he is undertaking, right? He still has a He is now the risen and ascended Lord. He is the Daniel 7 Son of Man in all his ascended glory, And he is calling people from every nation to worship him. Uh, He's the one who, by his spirit, empowers his church to proclaim his gospel. Um, So we're, we're in a different position to this guy who talks to Jesus. We're not walking the road to the cross before Jesus' death, but we do follow Jesus now in his great global mission. He wants us to know that if you're a disciple of his, you have no ultimate home here. And he wants you to watch out for the trap, uh, the trap of seeing this world as your ultimate home, your ultimate resting place. Because that's going to keep you from the one place where you can find true rest, actually, eternal rest in the gospel. And I think Jesus here, he cuts right to the heart at one of our culture's great idols, actually, uh, the pursuit of comfort and pleasure. Uh, I think that applies to us in all kinds of ways, right? The things that we devote ourselves to, the way we use the time and money that God has given us. Uh, those of us who are older, I think taking Jesus seriously here will shape how you see re- the the whole concept of retirement because you never retire from being a disciple of Jesus. Um, Enjoy God's good gifts to you, but don't turn them into idols. Don't forget that the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head, and his glorious mission is still being carried out, and he calls you to follow him in it. Uh, Maybe those of you guys who are younger... You're facing many decisions in your life. This, it has to shape the decisions you make about your future. It'll mean you have a higher goal in mind than your own comfort, your own pleasure. And I, personally, this passage has really helped me this week as I've prepared for our AGM. Steve mentioned there's an announcement, uh, <laughs> an exciting announcement. Uh, and I, uh, Steve said you had to come back, but I'm going to uh, give a sneak peek now. We're going to think about plans to see a new church planted from our church in the next five years that we've been thinking about. And I urge you, please do stick around for that. Please do, if you're able, uh, stay and hear that and um, pray for that. I find it a bit scary, actually, a bit daunting. But this passage has really helped me settle, it's just settle in the conviction that this is right for us and good for us because the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head and his glorious mission is still being carried out, and he calls us, our church, to follow him in it. OK, so going all in for Jesus is going to mean we know that we don't have no ultimate home here. It also means we've got no rivals here. That's what Jesus wants. So this other disciple comes up in verse 21. Another disciple comes and grabs Jesus before he heads off in the boats. And again, he sounds really good, right? Verse 21, another disciple said to him, Lord, he approaches Jesus with respect. He says, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. I mean, what I, it's a really noble request this guy makes, right? Uh, it, it probably doesn't mean that his dad has died that day like it has just died, because in that culture at that time, they didn't have sterile cold rooms to keep people in. So it just meant the burials happened the, the same day that someone died, usually. Um, it it probably means, let me finish caring for my ageing father until he has died and I can bury him, and, and then I'll follow you. Then I'll be serious about you. Well, um This is basically a good thing that this man wants to do, isn't it? God's law commanded that his people honour their parents. Jesus upholds that. Um, So this seems like a really good request, but you get this confronting, strange reply in verse 22. Jesus told him, uh, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. It's a bit of an absurd picture, right? Dead people burying other dead people, zombies per- performing funerals. <laughs> what's, uh, what's Jesus doing here? I think what he's doing is he's taking uh, one of the highest human relationships and he's saying that even that relationship is not as important as your relationship to me. He claims even that level of authority over his disciples. So I don't think he's saying dishonour your parents. That would be unthinkable. And actually, in another place in the Gospels, he lays into the Pharisees for effectively doing that. Um, But he's he's using shocking imagery here, I think, to make a point, a a bit like, you know, remember in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about plucking your eye out. Uh, Maybe there's something similar going on here. He he wants to really impress this home to us. It is right and necessary to love and care for your family. But even there, Jesus comes first. And if he comes first in that relationship, that sort of highest of human relationships, he comes first everywhere else. He comes first everywhere. So uh, Jesus has already kind of gone for one of our cultural idols, right? (laughs) And here he goes for another, uh, our idol of the family. Um, it, It can be so easy to put off following Jesus, can't it? to put off taking discipleship seriously. Just let me get my kids through school, let me give them all the experiences I want them to have, let me enjoy weekends with them while they're young, and then I'll get serious about you, Jesus. Uh, Let me concentrate on my career first, get established, and then I'll get serious about following you, Jesus. It'd just be too difficult with my parents if I followed you now, so... Look, I'll come back to you later in life, Jesus. Let me finish. It reminds me of a song I learned as a kid. Maybe some of you know this one. I cannot come. It's from another part of the Gospels. It's this person who says, I cannot come. I cannot come to the banquets. Don't trouble me now. I've married a wife. I've bought me a cow. I have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum. And is this ringing bells for anyone else. Yeah, some people. I have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum. Pray, hold me excused. I cannot come. Uh, Jesus says, don't put off following me for anything else. Have me at the center that everything else fits around. And friends, the promise and the glory of Jesus is that when we put him at the center, then we can actually love the people around us better, because we'll be pointing them to the to the one who alone is love. We're we'll pointing them to Jesus, and that's really what I want to finish with, friends. It, it's a full on little passage, right? Um, just a couple of verses. Jesus really, um, you know, it's cryptic on one level, but really confronting on another. And he wants you to be prepared. He wants you to know upfront the cost of following him, he wants you to look at that and to hear it and to know it and still to follow him wholeheartedly and joyfully because there is no one better to follow. You see, whatever it might mean to go all in for him, that is just to kind of out- overflow of the more fundamental, wonderful reality of the gospel that Jesus has gone all in for you. He gave up his home with his Father in heaven in order to become homeless here for the sake of his great mission. Uh, We saw a snapshot of that at the end of last week's passage. That's why we had it read out. And in verse 16, evening comes, many who are demon-possessed were brought to him. He drove out the spirits with the word, he healed all the sick. And this was to fulfill what was spoken about through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Uh, These miracles Jesus was doing, they were signs pointing to who he is. That quote from Isaiah comes from the chapter 53 and we'll get there in a few years when we get there in Isaiah, whenever we can get there, the the pace we're going through Isaiah. But that, it's a really important chapter in Isaiah. It points us to this suffering servant, the one on whom the Lord has laid the sins of all his people, the one who is healing this world, the one who will bring about a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So, uh, perhaps you've gone cold in following Jesus. uh, The the place to rewarm your heart, friends, is at the fire of God's holy love in the gospel, to stand amazed in the presence of Jesus. Uh, maybe you've never responded to Jesus' call on your life. Jesus is so helpful here. Uh, he wants you to know the cost of following him. He wants you to do that, but he wants you to follow him anyway because he is worthy. Because of uh, This is, this is the, the song that we should have sung earlier, because who he is and what he's done makes Jesus number one. Anyone remember that from when we sang it last year? There were some actions to it. Uh, who he is and what he's done makes Jesus number one. <laughs> anyway, maybe we'll watch the video later. Jesus is number one. Maybe you've never responded to his call. He calls you to follow him today, to know what that might mean and to joyfully take that on because he is number one. So just to finish, friends, the, the way into this kind of discipleship that Jesus is talking about under his good authority, it's, it's not to steal yourself And just try to work harder in your own strength. The pathway to being all in for Jesus starts and continues and ends with the fact that he has gone all in for you. In his grace and mercy, the Son of Man has come. And it changes everything. Uh, So let me pray for us. Can we pray? Uh, God, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for the insight it gives us into the kind of disciples that Jesus is forming. Oh God, please soften our hearts. Please help us to be that kind of follower of him. Uh, We ask for wholehearted, joyful uh, devotion to our Lord and God. Uh, Please work that in us by your spirit. Please show us the ways in which we are seeking our home here and now. Help us to repent of that. Please help us to see those rivals in our own hearts to your lordship. Uh, Give us grace to turn from them and to turn to you and from this day forward commit ourselves to this kind of uh, deep discipleship and we pray that that will continue on for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.